Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Talk, Talk, Talk podcast. I'm your host, Harris Reno, alongside me, co-host Dan Kylie. I think we're going to go backwards hat boys today, you know, get some backwards hat action today here on the Top Dog Talk podcast. Anyways, guys, it is a great Tuesday. Another great weekend of college football done and dusted. Time to move on to week uh, four. Is this four, Dan? Um, I can't rock the backwards hat. I'm not as cool as Dan is. Uh, but I think it's week four of college football. Man, season's already blowing by because we're already, what, I think we're a third of the Quarter way of the way. Quarter of the way through the season. And... I mean, nothing but good weekends of football. Every time somebody says the slate doesn't look good, does a game just pop up on you? Uh, as Dan's trying to go. I can't ooh, do it, Robert. It? <laughs> so, yeah, we had another great another great slate of football games this weekend. A little bit of a rivalry week, uh, if you will, this weekend. Got a, got a, just, just great slate all around. Looking forward to Colorado-USC. We'll get to Colorado here in a little bit. Dan, how are you doing this Tuesday? Man, it has been a busy week. It is only Tuesday, but you know what? When the uh, national safety director flies in for a, a major safety audit at your at your workplace, it's a big deal. Um, but I am ready to talk sports. Um, you know, you miss out on so much great content because Harrison and I, we talk so much on the phone about different things, and half of it doesn't even make it there. Hell, half the time when our show is over, I was like, oh, man, I wanted to say this, that, and the other, and I always forget. So let's have a great show today. Absolutely. Let's get right into it, Dan. As my hat looks sideways, I'm going to try and fix that off camera. Dan, what coach will you never give the benefit of the doubt to? This is college coaches, NFL coaches, just any one coach that has burned you or, let's say, let you down. Well, you know, and this is such a perfect hot topic right now because of the whole Mike Bobo thing, right? There is a section of this Georgia fan base that will not ever give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, was he perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. But, you know, the, the the hatred towards Mike Bobo. So that's what got me thinking about this one. Uh, mine is pretty self-explanatory. I hate Jimbo Fisher. However, it's not him. It's Bobby Petrino. I will never, ever trust that snake around one of my football teams ever. Uh, I, I don't have a whole lot to add because I don't have a whole lot of nice things to say about Bobby Petrino. And my mom always said, if he ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Um, but just his former players, the way they talk about him, the people in the building, um, you know, we went from Dan Reeves uh, to that dude. No, I'm out. I'm out on Bobby Petrino. Harrison, who's your guy? Sorry, was putting out the, the podcast not- or the, the YouTube notification that we're live. My guy, Dan, no surprise. Also, former pro coach. Now he's on TV. I know Bobby Petrino's uh, coaching these days. I believe he's at AM, offense coordinator, if I remember correctly. Dan, it's Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett burned me third degree. Third degree burns do I have from Jason Garrett. And, hey, uh, yeah, it was the most – Cowboys would win 10 games, maybe 12, next year, 8-8. Eight and eight. You can count on it. They would win 10 games, 10-plus. 10 Go eight and eight in the next year. You can just book it. They're gonna miss the playoffs. It was the most roller coaster ride that I've ever experienced as a as somebody as a sports fan. Like just every other year. Okay, make the playoffs. Holy crap! You know this could be the year you actually make it out of the divisional round. Nope. Aaron Rodgers says, Nah, bro. And then eight and eight the next year. I'm just n- never gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I I I, I don't. Th- I, I think they picked the wrong guy the wrong coach, the wrong coordinator, promote from within. You should have picked Sean Payton, who, by the way, God bless you, Sean Payton. You got 70 dropped on you this weekend. Not a good look, buddy. Not a good look when you've been talking that talk all offseason long. Uh, But, Dan, definitely for me, Jason Garrett, I don't think there's much explaining to do there. I think I've kind of made my point clear. Uh, You go from 8-8 every other year to now Mike McCarthy's winning 12 games three years in a row. That's, That's elite stuff. Over there from Mike McCarthy. Dan, I see you're dealing with Elton Cliff. Are you still with us? I think I'm here. Am I here? <laughs> I hear you. Your your, your cameras right. free, are pixelated, but you're here. I can hear you. All right. Well, I'm here. So let's move on to the next one. And Harrison, if you want to introduce this one, and I don't know if you can hear, like you're you're making faces. So you're, I don't good. Know what's you're good. You're okay. good. You're good. You're good. You're um, good. Which team? So I, I believe we're going to go with um, 
Do you want to go college football specific with this one, or do you want to go pros in college? Because I know you got your pro answer. Uh, but let, let's let's have some fun here. Let's make it college first, and if you have an AFL team, go ahead and put them in there. Which team has burned you the most, college or pros? Let's open with college first. You know, I, I would say most recently, and they have not necessarily burned me yet this year, but it's always been for me USC because I saw what USC could be with the right leadership and the talent and the money that they have. And when they had Pete Carroll running that program, that was as powerful as I've ever seen a college football program. And you could say Alabama, 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 Alabama. Cool. I got you. What USC did, and granted, it was not a long period of time, but when USC had it humming out on the West Coast, I have never seen something that powerful before, and it felt like it was never going to end, and it felt like nobody else had a chance to even be successful. So I will say that USC gets me time and time again because I just, in the back of my mind, I remember that, and I always think that they're going to be able to return to that, and then they'll have so much hype leading up to the season that they make you believe that, and for me, over and over again, it's always USC. I always think they're going to be back, and then they end up never being back. Harry dog. My bad. Harry. My bad. I'm doing a thousand things at one time, guys. I got to focus in. Uh, USC is a great answer, Ian. But I'm a one-up year. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Tennessee. That's That's been, that's been, that's been it lately. Tennessee – we both had them ten wins last year, uh, and and they did. They 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 won ten games last year. I'll give them credit. They did a great job. Probably outperformed where I think they should have been in year two of, under Josh Heupel. But you come into this year, they lost to Florida, a team that most people had winning six games, five games. Lost to Florida. Like we're talking about a team that had, by all means, their best year since Peyton Manning. Dan, I don't know what's going on with our technical difficulties today. I'm gonna switch my mic. Come unplug somehow. Okay, sorry guys. That technical difficulty. Yeah, so I don't know where he left off, but yeah. So I will go back. He, his was mine was USC. His was Tennessee, and he had a lot of good things to say because. He told me a little bit about him before the show, but I do have an NFL team and, and um, it's not a team that I'm necessarily a fan of or anything like that. It's just uh, for whatever le- reason, I can't believe in the, the Detroit Lions are going to be good. <laughs> I don't know why I believe that it's over and over and over again, time and time again. I, I hear all these things and I think the Detroit Lions are going to be good and they never are. And so that is my team. Um, yeah, Robert had one, a really good one, is the Miami Hurricanes. And I, Robert, I've been there with you on the Miami Hurricanes time and time again. Um, yeah, but for me, USC is just bigger for me because I'm I, i um, I'm just always expecting them to pop back. But Miami is another really, really good one. And like I said, for me, on the NFL level, I don't know why. they're not. I'm not a fan of the team. It's just always been the Detroit Lions. I don't know why. They, they, they just get me every time. Every time there's a little bit of buzz, uh, Dan bites it hook, line, and sinker, and, uh, and I end up looking stupid. The Jets are also a good one. I mean, recently, like, what yeah, have you done for yeah. me lately? Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers goes down. Uh, they had a lot of hype back when Brett Favre came over there, two former Packers, and he goes down with injury. Yeah, rough rough going for the Jets. Uh, we're, we're talking about a franchise like the Lions, the Jets, probably – two of the most cursed franchise in the NFL, at least today. I know the Browns have something to say about being a cursed franchise. Yeah. Uh, Dan, for me, it's been the Cowboys. I mean, legit, they just dropped a game. You just laid an egg uh, to the Arizona Cardinals, which has become a thing recently. Like, they dropped one last year, the Washington Commanders' final game of the year. year before that, they lost to the Denver Broncos. Just... Lay an egg here and there when they when everyone expects them to be good. So you went from being the most talked about best team in the NFL to being what the heck are you doing? So always interesting there. Dan, national obsession of the week. Speaking of people who have burned you, right? Deion Sanders and Colorado got their butt whooped, which to the non-mainstream media folk who tried to build this narrative. That because Colorado started undefeated for the first time 
in who knows how long that they were going to be a contender for the Pac-12, just poof, gone, just like that. And now, Dan, just when you thought Colorado, the Colorado hype was going to cease to exist, they have a new villain, Dan. Dan Lanning's the villain. Dan Lanning's the villain because he went out there and tried to win a football game. And now we're back on this whole Dion, you know, Dion, Dion comes out after the game. And I respect it. Dion comes out after the game and says, I got my ass whooped. That's what happened. But you better get me now because this is the worst we're going to get. I respect it, Dion. But you know what I don't respect, Dan? How the mainstream media is going to turn this, going to use that pregame speech as, oh, man, Dan Lanning's jealous of Dion. Dan Lanning's scared of Dion. I'm like, no. Dan Lanning went out there and won a football game. Dan Lanning showed you that he can coach at the highest of high levels. I, what was your takeaway, Dan? I know uh, you work on Saturdays, but I believe this is one of the games you got to watch. So what, what were your takeaways, uh, not only from the game, but the aftermath? You know, I, I get very frustrated with this whole narrative. Um, I, I think, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, and I think I know where you stand, but for me, I've been excited about the Colorado stuff. I, I said they were going to be my guilty pleasure. I had no, no illusions that they were going to beat Oregon. I, I never, I am on the record. I did not think that was going to happen. So I don't time me into that boat. But here's my problem is, and it's like with everything else in this country, and don't get yourself butthurt. Just listen to what I'm saying. Everything's turning into a black or white issue right now. And that's going to be my point on this. And this is why I got very angry about this this weekend, because what Dion does, he gets praised for. What another coach does, he gets yelled at for, right? So Dan Lanning was doing what every coach should do is get his team fired up to play and win. He was not hating on Dion. He has said time and time again that Dion is good for the sport because he's drawing attention to the sport. He even said in his post-game press conference, he understood that the reason that 20 million fans or whatever it was watched the game, he said probably 80% of them were there because of, of Deion Sanders. He gives them a lot of credit. He says this guy is doing a great job. He's doing a lot of things for these kids. He's like, but it's my job to get my team motivated to play. And then they said, well, uh, you were scoring, you're like a vindictive play calling. And he's, I don't even know what that is. And he's like, I, I, you know, I, did I go for it on fourth down? Absolutely. I did. And I have in every game so far this season, did I go for two? Absolutely. I did. I've gone for two, three out of the four games we played this season. And I will again. And he's like, did I continue to score? Yes, I did continue to score because you know, they have a high powered offense and I'm not going to put myself in a position to get caught sleeping. And, like, that goes back to our conversation a couple of weeks ago, Harrison, where it's um, running up the score. That is not running up the score. What they did was not running up the score. That was within the context of the game. Uh, they did not run. Up, and I don't give a shit if they did run up the score because that is another quality opponent and a, an opponent that was bringing a lot of juice. So you put it on them if you can. And Dion's right. Catch me if you can. And I, I, I don't think – I don't think there's a beef between Dan Lanning and Deion Sanders. I do believe there's a beef between the media and clicks and the media is doing whatever they can to get clicks. And what they're going to do is they are going to do what the media always does. And, and this is why I said, don't get butt hurt and please listen to what I'm saying. The media always inserts the race card because it generates the most attention. Okay. And that's my biggest thing with this right here. Dion's not a racist guy. Dan Lanning is not a racist guy. Um, the people who say that Dion's getting too much attention for stuff, they're not racist people. They're just telling you the truth. But they're going to insert that card because it, that's what it benefits and, and gets them the most ratings possible. And that's what the media does. And that's what the media has become. And it's become very, very sad because if you get if you strip all that away, you have a really damn good story to tell. They just don't want to tell that story. So that's that's my take on it. At the end of the day, Dan Landing was coaching his football team. Dion was coaching his football team. They don't have a problem with each other. So I don't know why we have to create an artificial hatred for one another. It doesn't exist. That's my take. They're fighting for clits. We're fighting for wins. But you Man, know what? Did that speech have me gassed up when that came out, Dan? Like talking about that that uh, pregame speech before that or quote pregame speech for the national championship that everybody leaked out like Dan Lanning knows how to motivate his team 
no, we did not talk about wearing hats before. Well, we brought it up. I, I'm have my hair was not looking great, so I said I'm throwing on a hat. Dan gets in here and says, right before we go live, give me a second, I gotta go get a hat. I'm like, we're rocking it, we're rocking it. Cider, not everybody has beautiful luscious hair uh, on their chin and on yeah. their head like you. We can't look beautiful like you, Mister Stoddard. Yeah, not not not. I mean, look at look at the look at the that. picture. Just look at the picture. Look how beautiful that man is. I mean, I'm not that beautiful. <laughs> hey, we're we're made for radio, Stoddard. We're not built for TV like you, buddy. Uh, Dan, I, I think you hit the nail on the head here. But let's get to the second thing. There's two. Hey guys, we have yes. a two part national obsession, and I don't know if we got any Swifties in here, but we're talking about Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift, Dan. It has been the craziest thing. I thought for sure that what would be dominating the discussion Sunday was going to be the Dolphins beating the crap out of the Broncos or the Cowboys losing to the Cardinals. But no, it was Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Something that has been simmering, a story that has been simmering, a rumor, which now turns out to be true. It's blown up. It's everywhere. I'm still seeing stuff. And we're T minus two days after. It is crazy, Dan. Absolutely crazy that a football related romance story is the number one thing people want to talk about on social media. And heck, it has blown up so big that Dan and I are talking about it on here. Like, we're not, you know, when you go to Walmart and you go to checkout, at least in my hometown, there's those magazines up front, Dan, right by the checkout, has all like the, the, the drama related magazines, like, What's going on between the marriage of, uh, you know, the English, the English prince and princess, stuff like that. Like, this is the type mm-hmm. of stuff you see in those. But no, we're getting this Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift on ESPN, on well, Sports Center. So, like, I don't have all the, all the stats, but I'm going to give you a couple. Travis Kelsey now has the number three selling jersey in the NFL. He was up from, I think it was like 14 or 15. He's up to number three. Uh, the Chiefs merchandise has gone up 400% in two days because Holy of Taylor God. Swift. Um, the jacket that she wore to the game has not been released to the media yet, and everybody is trying to find it. And uh, and it's going to be on um, on uh, Fanatics whenever it does come out. And they said that they will be sold out on day one. Um, it, Travis Kelsey has 325,000 new, 325, new Instagram followers uh, since Sunday. Um, obviously Taylor Swift's mega tour across the world is completely sold out. Um, uh, Travis Kelsey's other merchandise is up 400% fanatic fans. Um, is there's their stuff is up 400%. Uh, all chiefs games are sold out for the rest of the season and their secondary market pricing has gone up, uh, 718%. Mm. So to all Mm. the people who are saying this is a stunt, yeah, might be on to something. Did you see um, Ella Dorsey, who is a, a, a weather person around here who we all love? She's absolutely a gorgeous person. She says, this is a completely a stunt. That man ain't never touched that woman. <laughs> so, this is this is this is going to be something to watch. How many views the new Kelsey oh, documentary will get? The Kelsey podcast is now the number one most downloaded podcast in America. It was not even in the top ten. And hey, I mean, I'm I'm one of those new viewers, not because of the Taylor Swift stuff. I started listening to it a few weeks ago. Uh, just absolute great stuff. Like they've had some great interviews. Uh, Julian Edelman was on there a few times. Just some great, great content there. Uh, any any player led content's always, at least from what I found, is great. But yeah, Dan, it's it's absolutely insane. Bill Belichick said this is the greatest catch of Travis Kelsey's career, <laughs> and that's saying something. When Bill Belichick comes out here, who is a Swifty? From what I've learned, Travis uh, Bill Belichick is a big Taylor Swift fan. Did you hear the interview where he answered all the questions in her song titles? No. Oh, it was like a couple of weeks ago. Like, so people were asking him questions, and he was like, oh, "I knew you're gonna be trouble when you walked in." Uh, and then he's <laughs> like, "Like, it was just like every single answer was just like I, I'm like." He would have never done that when he had Tom Brady. This is this is a guy. We're talking about a guy who like is 100% like his football brain never turns off. Like right. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart levels, just constantly going. I mean, we, heck, we even have people in the Georgia media space asking Brock Bowers what his thoughts were. And he says it's a win for the tight ends. You so, know, the, the funny thing to me is that if you look at people who are um, 
you think you have an idea about somebody, right? But there's always something about that somebody that surprises you. Like the one for me, and I think you know this, and I think uh, the boys know this too, but I'm a massive Elton John fan. And like most people, most people <laughs> like, like, like I'm, I'm a big sports guy, whatever like that. And they're like, how are you an Elton John fan? Well, because I was named after the song Daniel and my mom was a huge Elton John fan growing up. And every song, like, everything that she ever played in her house was Elton John all the time. So I'm a huge Elton John fan. So like to say that Bill Belichick is a Swifty, um, yeah, that's shocking. But that's, that's like, that's one of those like cool things about humanity in general is if you really take the time to get to know people, there's always going to be something that surprises you. Yeah. Well, whatever. I'm old. I don't care. I like, I, you know, I like the Beatles too. And I wasn't even alive when they were making music. So I, I don't He's know. Not even British relevant. either. Yeah. <laughs> not even British, mate. <laughs> yeah. It, it is funny uh, how football has a way of bringing people you think would never be able to sit in a room together, actually together. Like Bill Belichick and a bunch of Swifties. Yeah. Right. Never, never seen it. Like, Never, never would have thought it. So at least, at least it's it, it's nice to know that Bill Belichick has as much in common as my little sisters do. So hey, that that it is what it is, Dan. Dan, let's talk your rant of the week. It is a Georgia related topic, something that we were talking about for hot topics, but I think you really hit the nail on the head with this one. So Dan, I'm gonna let you take it away. Yeah. So this is my rant of the week, and I hope you guys are all here, dialed in, and ready to go because I, I'm going to be fired up a little bit about this one. So the false narratives. Okay. So at the beginning of the season, um, there was the narrative that started to come out. And listen, in the beginning, there were a lot of Georgia fans that were complaining about Mike Bobo, this team, this offense. Okay. And and you know a lot of a lot of the the media or the the fan sites and stuff like that they came out and started. Given us and, and you know our very own Jonathan Williams was given us stats on uh you know comparing last year's team to this year's team uh what um you know Munkin did versus what Bobo did okay so now you know this narrative is growing is that the entire Georgia fan base absolutely hates this Georgia football team they they're not happy they're this they're that they hate Mike Bobo it's this that the other and here's what I'm here to tell you is. In the last week and a half, I have seen more people bitching about the Georgia fan base, bitching about Mike Bobo, than I've actually seen people bitching about Mike Bobo. It's like everybody has grabbed onto that and they're running with it. But like I'm going through my timeline and I'm searching for these people that are bitching about Mike Bobo. And yes, they were there week one and in week two. They're not there right now. And maybe they're just exhausted. Maybe they're just tired. And at the end of the day, even if they are bitching, it's the vocal minority. It's the 2-3% of a fan base that gets on to social media and wants to run their mouth. It's not the majority of the fan base. I think it's okay to say that you were a little bit frustrated that Georgia started out slow. But that doesn't mean that you hate everything that they're doing, that you hate the team, that you hate Mike Bobo. And, and I, you know, even to expand on that further, I've already told you there is a certain segment of this fan base that is never, ever going to support Mike Bobo. That's why we did the hot topic, the coach that you won't give the benefit of the doubt to, because there are a segment of this group that hates freaking Mike Bobo. It's never going to change. The guy could score 79 points a game. It doesn't matter. They're going to hate him. Third and Bobo. Here we go. Run, run, punt, run, run, punt. I mean, hell, we're punting on third down now. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely absurd. Um, Yes. Jeremiah. There are people who are bitching, but my timeline is filled more with people bitching at those people than actually people bitching. And that's the whole point of this rant. It's like, just let it go. Shut up about it. Because if you stop talking about it, what do these people want? They want attention. You're giving them attention. Just shut up about it. It's really not that bad anymore. It, like, I, like I said, that vocal minority is making themselves look even stupider every single time that they open up their mouth because Georgia is. Uh, I think through the first four games last year, um, it was 40.8 points a game. And this year it's 41 points a game. So they're scoring more. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you at this point. If you if you are bitching still, just you – know, Harrison and I have talked about this offline. The one thing that I would say if I was going to criticize Mike Bobo in the past is that when you had to have that play, when you had to have it, is when he couldn't deliver. It wasn't – play one through 100 it was just that one that you needed okay 
but he has not been in that situation yet. So, like, let's wait and see. And this goes back to my rant from a couple of weeks ago with this is the greatest time to be ever be a Georgia fan in my entire life, in my 44 years of life. This is the best time to ever be a Georgia fan. You, almost everybody watching the show is younger than I am. You have never seen Georgia be this good in your entire life. So why are you going to spend the whole time bitching and complaining? Enjoy it, brother, because guess what? It's not going to last forever. Ask Alabama. You know, they they thought that dynasty was never going to end, and it looks like it's coming to an end now. So just enjoy it, man. And, and I'm just over the media with this false narrative that everybody's complaining. It's not everybody. So that's it. I think we lost some viewers on that. Maybe I got too heated. Who knows? It don't matter. If they don't want to be here, they don't want to be here. Dan, uh, important, important poll time. 50% of our viewers think Travis Kelsey Taylor was a stunt. 50% of our viewers say no. So only two votes so far. But we're split. We're splitting <laughs> hairs here. Um, two so, votes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, it's, 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 it's data. Data none the least. Let's get into some Georgia talk. Pretty, pretty good weekend. And, and here's my thing, Dan. If I were to have a rant today, it would be to the folks, about the folks that like to talk about halftime stats. Why are we talking about a game at halftime? Why, why are we talking about half of a game instead of talking about the whole game? I get it. You want your team to be perfect. You want your team to play all four quarters to the best of their abilities. I understand it. It is very important that a team doesn't just show up in the second half. Like You, you got to play for good football for all four quarters to win or at least the majority of the quarters. You had to play better football than your opponent for the majority of the quarters to win a football game. I think that's how that works. But I go on my timeline over the weekend, after right after the right after the win, Dan. Final score was what? 49 to 21? Why are people still talking about the halftime score being 21 to 14? Like why why are we talking about just the four the first two quarters? I get it. It's where you start it's it's where you perceived to have struggled. It's because the game was close against an opponent. You were a 40-plus game favorite or 40-point favorite, something like that. It's getting ridiculous, Dan, because I see it every single week. And I'm sure we're going to see it this weekend. If Georgia's down at halftime, if Georgia leads at halftime, and it's not by a lot, everyone's going to say, even if they go in and they blow out Auburn, everybody's narrative is going to be this Georgia team isn't that good because they only let Auburn by a touchdown at halftime. We're just going to forget the rest of of the game we're gonna forget the third quarter the fourth quarter because apparently the game's over after the second quarter dan like that that's what it seems like to me and dan i got a stat for you today uh not my doing cole kublik shout out to you because you posted this today and i just saw it georgia's outscoring teams 56 to nothing in the, the third, third quarter, quarter this season that is elite in the third yeah, that, quarter by they actually had that on the game uh, on the game itself they had that stat but Ooh. i have an interjection to make for okay go so, ahead you know, why do we talk about halftime stats? Well, the reason we talk about ha- halftime stats is because it's halftime of the game and you've got 20 minutes to fill. So that's part of the reason. Um, you know, you do want to judge how teams are coming out to start. Statistically speaking, second half stats, especially in the NFL, second half stats are stats are usually more are teams are more productive in the second half typically in the NFL than they are in the first half. And the reason is because in the first quarter, most of the time people don't come out with their hair on fire. They're kind of feeling each other out. So if you think about it, you really only have a quarter to kind of get going. This isn't a steadfast rule. I wouldn't say I wouldn't write this in pen. I would write this in pencil. Just more times than not, you're going to have a better second half. However, in this game, Carson Beck threw 338 yards and three touchdowns. The guy, I, I don't understand the hate he's getting. But I want to touch on something. This is more important than what you said. Uh, you said something about this team is not that great. Okay, well, think about all the other teams in the country right now. What team scares you, right? Because I can't think of another team that scares me. And here's the thing. 2021, you had probably one of the best defensive teams ever, Okay. Uh, 2022, you had uh, a defense that was really good. Not as good as 21, but really good. But you had a quarterback who almost won the Heisman Trophy, putting up massive numbers on offense, okay? So you had two historically great teams. Here's the good news. The 2023 team doesn't have to beat either one of those teams. They only have to beat the other teams that are playing college football right now. 
And in my opinion, they can do that. And it doesn't matter that they're not as good as 21. It doesn't matter that they're not as good as 22. It's not a competition. When you win the national title at the end of the year, they don't say Georgia, you know, first three-peat champion. But this one has an asterisk because they're not as good as the two other teams. Nobody gives a shit. And, you know, when the last time somebody repeated, it was like the 1930s. So I don't understand this this incessant need to say that this team isn't as good as last year's team. It doesn't matter. As long as they're good as better than every other team that's playing college football this year, then it doesn't matter. So to your point, why are we worried about halftime stats? Why the hell are we trying to compare it to last year? I, I, I'm out on that one, Harrison. I'm with you, Dan. That is an excellent point. I just put in our private chat a timestamp, so I remember to go clip that. Uh, excellent point. It's the same thing. People are doing the same thing each year when we talk about national champions. It's oh, this Georgia team wasn't as good as the last as the you know Alabama champ, national champion twenty twenty. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. We, we we don't judge national championship teams by the people by the national championship teams that came before them, ever because they never play each other. It is the last the national championship team last year. Their last game they ever played together was against TCU. That was it. Like that has no referendum on the next Georgia team or the next national champion. There's no need to compare at all because this team is different than last year's team. It's different than the team two years ago. It's going to be different than the team next year. Like there's no reason to compare it. It's like Dan said, it's just national champions are, you know, are the teams that are better than the rest right now. Do we have a standout number one team in the country to me, Dan? I don't think so. I don't think we've seen a team that has been as dominant as Georgia was in 21. Or in 22. Yeah, I I don't see it right now. Now, then again, we were talking – I think this was a talking point last year that there was no standout number one through four weeks because Georgia let up 22 points to uh, Kent State. And then once we got on through the season and once Georgia beat Tennessee, then the talk of Georgia being dominant and being the standout number one team came into the picture. So maybe it's just too early. Maybe we don't have enough data points to even say that there is a standout number one. But I will tell you this, Dan. I will tell you this, and it's something we talked about before the show. Georgia's schedule is heating up. Like, we, this is the meat of the schedule. The first four weeks of the season, there ain't much to judge by. That South Carolina game is the biggest data point that Georgia fans can look at and can use. By all means, use it. You were down at halftime. You are down 14-3. to three. You come out and you whoop butt in the, fourth, in the third, and second, uh, third and fourth quarter. Excuse me. That's that's a statistical data point. That is a relevant data point. What Georgia did against UAB is going to have no bearing on what they do against Auburn. But I will say this, Dan. When I watched this UAB game, I will say the offense looked like they were putting things together. For the first time, at least this season so far, the offense played a game probably for all four quarters where you're like, this this can win a national championship. Now, we'll, you know, a lot of the criticism regarding Carson Beck We've talked about this. I think a lot of people are judging him because he's not throwing the deep ball or he hasn't really hit the deep ball when he tries to throw it, whether that's on him overthrowing or whether that's on receivers not catching the football. That's that's kind of been the biggest, I think, argument against him as to why so-and-so should be starting over him. Well, let me say this. They came out and they threw a 30-plus yard pass first play of the game. Big play right off the bat. Last few games, it's been a run play or maybe a quick quick game passing game. They came out and they threw it early. They threw a couple deep shots in the first half. They didn't connect on them. But I will say this, when they do connect on them, Dan, when they start hitting in mid-November and that team is in sync, this offense is in sync, there's not going to be a team in college football that is going to be able to stop them. Because right now, Georgia's winning games. They're scoring 49 points without an effective, without a consistent deep ball. Well, Just imagine when they can start hitting those, what this offense can do. Well, yeah, so I think there's a couple things here at play, and in, in, I've been watching. So you said there's no dominant team in college football, and I agree with you, and I think we both agree with that. But if you look at the two most talented teams in the country, which I think you – well, maybe three. Uh, I, I guess you would have to say or, or Ohio State's one of the most talented teams. But I was going to say between Georgia and Michigan, probably the two most talented teams that came in, ranked number one and number two to start the season – what do they have in common? The one thing to me that they have in common is they look bored. Uh, they look like they're not ready to – like they just – they look bored. I'm not going to really expand on that. It's just they look bored. But 
The other thing, too, is Georgia is probably the most injured team I've ever seen in my entire life. And we are missing a ton of key personnel. And I know that sounds like an excuse, but it's a valid excuse. It's like those are real people who were going to play quality minutes. And it's not like they're missing one or two next guy up. It's they are missing a lot. And they are playing teams that they are significantly better than. So what are the coaches are going to, what are, what do the coaches want to do? They want to make sure that they get a lot of opportunities for a lot of different people. They're not really focused in on their top 22 and just hammering down. They're letting a lot of guys get reps in, in you know, in theory that should be keeping you healthy, but they just got guys dropping like flies. I mean, you have our best wide receiver hasn't played a single snap this year. You have the leader of the defense, probably one of the most important pieces you could possibly have, in my opinion, and Javon Bullard on the back end. He hasn't played in the last two games. Now, he did play in the first two games, but he didn't play the last two games. And I think that, you know, that's important to note. Um, you know, there's a lot of different guys. I mean, we're missing attack. Now, I said we're missing Amarius a, a Mims, and, and I don't want to miss that guy because I think he's a phenomenal football player. But there are some people – um, and I, you know, I'm not going to call out names or anything like that, but I've, I've listened to a couple different people who feel like ever since he's been out of the lineup, for whatever reason, um, the offensive line has played better. I don't know why that would be. And I don't think that's an indication uh, or, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'm not condemning <laughs> Amarius Mims, uh, um, but you get what I'm saying. So I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying that they, they think they're looking better. But maybe that'd just be a product of they're actually getting more and more reps together because they are replacing some parts on the offensive line. I, I don't know. There's a lot of different reasons, Harrison, why this team uh, hasn't been you know, amazing. But, you know, what Chuck Oliver said something today on the radio that resonated with me is that, you know, did they have to win 73 to nothing to make you feel better? Like, because at the end of the day, and that's where I got the stat from on Twitter today where I was joking, which he said in 2023, Georgia averaged one win per Saturday. And then in 2022, Georgia averaged one win per Saturday, which is, you know, it's funny, right? But it's true. It's like the name of the game is to go out there playing win. And as long as you're doing that, does it really matter how you get it done? Because now are we in a different world here where like it only counts if it looks pretty? Because I mean, yes, I mean it's it's less stress in our lives if we just go out there and beat somebody 73 to nothing, but like we're winning, guys, and it's not necessarily close. So what 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 more do you want? I guess and that's gonna be my question week in and week out is what more do you want? Yeah, I mean I think in the day and age, in this day and age, style points is really the points that are the only points that people care about. You can score 70 points, and if you don't look good on two possessions, then you know you get no style points, apparently, is the way things work. But yeah, to your point, Georgia, you know, isn't firing all cylinders to, at, at this point in the season. Now, were we expecting them to? No. I think they've won each game like you expect them to. I know they had a slow start against UT Martin, came out and scored, I think it was 30 plus in the second half. Uh, and made that game total blowout more so than it did in the first half. Same thing with UAB. You have a big second half to make that game look just as dominant as you need it to be. But my big takeaway, Dan, from UAB as they go into Auburn is, you know, I don't like to speculate and I don't know anything for sure, but Georgia's offense, you know, started to actually do what many expected them to do. Like Brock Bowers was targeted over 10 times. Like they, they hadn't done that. To this point in the season, Brock Bowers had nine yards and a hundred, or had nine receptions for 121, uh, 121 yards, two tutties. That's Brock Bowers' numbers right there. That is what you expect him to do from the jump because that's what he's done in the past. The first few weeks, Dan, they didn't really have to, they didn't really use him, nor did they really have to use him to their point. They didn't really have to use him against UAB either. But against South Carolina, their biggest test so far, he had seven receptions for 54 yards. He, he hasn't been a big part of the game plan. Now, I don't know if that's on purpose. I don't know if that was just the way people were playing him or if at this point maybe Brock was dealing with an injury and now he's healthy again, fully healthy again, and they said, okay, we're, we're going to get you ready. We're going to get you ready to go going into conference play because we, we want you know this offense playing a full cylinder, or, you know, firing all cylinders. And the offense looked great. Scored 49 points. Like, that is a good day at the office, especially when your best player leads the team in receptions like he's supposed to. So, to me, Dan, 
I, I, I think even with the players Georgia has on the field, we know Kendall Milton hasn't been healthy, like playing at 100%. We know Kendall Milton has been playing below 100% uh, since the start of the season. I know he missed this past week due to injury. They had all him out. But just to me, Dan, they started designing shots for Bowers. They started getting Bowers the ball in ways that we didn't really see in those first few games. That's my big takeaway. And heading into Auburn, I don't expect anything to change with that. You're going to get Brock Bowers the ball almost 10 times a game. I have a big takeaway from the game. Would you like to hear my big takeaway? Go ahead. My big takeaway is they need to get Amari Thomas in the transfer portal. I don't know how you can get him, and I know it's tampering. Uh, maybe I'll find his Instagram and tell him to jump over here in the transfer portal ASAP. Amari Thomas is a dude. Freshman out of Birmingham, uh, which we know because they said it 48,000 times in the broadcast. Um, imagine if they had a quarterback that could throw the ball like on the money because he had nine catches for 60 yards and one touchdown. Buddy could have had 150 yards and multiple touchdowns if the ball was where it was supposed to be. There were plenty of times he was running through our secondary wide open and the ball was thrown over him, under him, behind him, or not necessarily anywhere near him. That guy is a dude. I, I don't. Maybe he just had that one game. I don't know. Uh, but excuse me, Mr. Thomas, if you're not doing anything next Saturday, we could use you because you looked freaking amazing. And you know, I think that's kind of fun when these teams come in here and a kid has a chance to really kind of stand out um, because uh, he, I, I just I, I enjoyed watching the guy play. Well, like. I say I enjoyed. I was like, would somebody freaking stop that guy from catching the damn ball? <laughs> That's what I was really saying. But um, hell of a player. You know, you're right, Harrison, when you talk about – I'm stop joking now, but I think Georgia really started to kind of get back on track. Like you said, get Bowers back in there. If Bowers has been banged up, he didn't look at this past weekend. Uh, our running game is starting to come together. Uh, it's not as – it doesn't feel like we're dragging our legs covered in cement like we were the first couple of weeks. I think we're getting. Um, I, I think Dijon or Dijon Edwards is really the the bell cow that we were hoping that Kendall Melton would be. Um, and Edwards has been really good since he's gotten back. He's gotten some tough yards. He's really difficult to bring down. Uh, I know that they're trying to get Andrew Paul or. Oh, did I do it again? No, I did it. Whew. I know that they're trying to get Andrew Paul some carries and some touches. Um, I hope that we get to see what everybody was so happy about last year because to this point, he really hasn't been that explosive. Dylan Bell look, continues to look good. Um, Harrison and I were talking offline that we need to find that kid a different number and put him at running back full time because he's a good, a really good ball player. And if he's a receiver, just think about what he could do coming out of the backfield. But, you know, I, you know, you, you asked a question in our notes section, is the defense a concern? Let me – they're not a concern. They're a really good defense. They're just not – nowhere as good as the last two defenses. But they're still really good, and they're probably better than 95% of the defenses in the country. There may be a defense this year that's better than us. I don't know who it is, uh, and I, I haven't looked at the numbers or anything like that. But I'm sure that there's somebody who's better than us defensively. Where in the past, in the last two years, we said definitively we are the best defense. But again, like stop trying to compare them to the other one. So is defense a concern? I don't really think it's a concern because I think this Georgia offense can't score if forced to score. I guess the real question you should ask is, do you trust this defense to get off the field if they have to get off the field? And I don't know that we can answer that question. I, I think we can say we want to, we want to, right? But we can't definitively answer that yet because they haven't been put in a situation where we needed that. Uh, maybe, I guess you could point to the South Carolina game where they didn't give up a point in the second half and you kind of felt like they had to shut it down, and they did. So maybe that's enough for you. But I'm talking about that third and six or that third and five where if they convert, they win. We got to get off the field. We haven't seen that situation yet, and we may not ever see it at any point during the season because Georgia, I think, is still really, 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 really good. And we really didn't see it last year, Dan, until the playoffs, until Ohio State with that defense. I mean, we're talking about a game where Georgia was down 14 points for much of the second half. I mean, Georgia got off the field. Ohio State went up – let me look. They went up – they were up 38-24 with 31 seconds left in the third quarter. Georgia gets a field goal to make it 38-7. Georgia forces a punt defensively, first position for Ohio State in the fourth quarter. Three and out. Nine yards after they drove 59 yards and 70 yards. 
Georgia gets a three and out. Georgia scores a touchdown. Defense holds them to a field goal. Georgia goes down and scores the football. Uh, scores, scores, which would be the game winner uh, there for De- uh, ooh, Adoni Mitchell. Man, I almost said DeAndre Swift. Shout out to DeAndre Swift, by the way. I know there's some talk about him being maybe one of the best running backs, if not the best running back so far in the NFL. He's playing like it. Uh, for all the people that have been doubting him because of injuries the last few years that have hurt him, he's, he's playing like one of the best running backs in the NFL. But yeah, Dan, I, I would say right now uh, South Carolina is the closest thing that Georgia that we've seen from Georgia in the terms of we need to get off the field. Like, if we don't get off the field, we could lose this football game. They did a pretty good job in that second half. Really great job in that second half. Uh, Spencer Rowler completed, I think, less than 10 passes in the second half. I want to say it was around six on, like, 20-something attempts. Like, just tail two halves for Spencer Rowler because he came out hot, played real well. Like, he was going to be the reason South Carolina won that football game. And then second half, Georgia comes out, turns it around, plays really great football. Kirby Smart said in the locker room, Dan, and I don't know if we talked about it, you know, halftime, the clip was released of him in the locker room saying that, you know, we're going to get six possessions in the second half and they're going to score maybe once. And we're going to score on four or five. And Georgia did just about everything Kirby Smart said. Georgia scored on, I believe it was four. I think he said we're going to get six possessions. We're going to score on all of them. And Georgia scored on four of the six. And he says South Carolina's going to get one more, but then we're going to shut them out. Georgia shut the door on South Carolina. Georgia scored on four of their six possessions while South Carolina didn't score once in the second half. Georgia got a stop when they needed, got stops in the second half and won that football game. So to me, Dan, uh, I don't, like you said, I don't think defense is a concern compared to the elite standard that has been set from the past two defenses. There's obviously a regression there. But then again, we talked about the same thing last year, Dan. The same thing. It, it, it just, when I think back to Kent State, when I think back to after that game, when I think back to the Charleston Southern game, I think we're having a lot of the similar conversations to what we were having now. Um, I, I just think that's the way it is right now. So, you know, am I concerned about anything with this Georgia team? Not right now. But at the same time, it's not to repeat what we said going into South Carolina. It is show me time again. Georgia's going on the road to Jordan Hare. Uh, I, I, I talked to Dan. There's two reasons Georgia can lose to Auburn. Hugh Freeze, magician, and Jordan Hare. That environment, at its best, rivals any other stadium in the country. At its best. So, Dan, with a young offense, with a young quarterback, with a new coordinator, how does Georgia play in that environment? That's what I'm looking for. Do I expect Georgia to walk in there and score 21, you know, 20-plus in the first half? By all means, no. I, I think it's going to be a silent count type of day. Uh, and I think Georgia may get off to a slow start in that game. Now, what better way? That, Mike Bobo, if you're listening, your old, uh, old staffer, James Coley, who was inept in other – like, by all means, not a great offense, comes out there first – I think his first possession of the game against Auburn and Jordan Hare, throws that deep shot to Dominic Blaylock to immediately just silence the crowd in 19. Let's let's see that again. Let Dominic Lovett lose. Hell, if you have Lab McConkey, send Lab McConkey on a on on a streak or something. Just take a deep shot at the start of the game, get a big play, get some confidence, and silence that crowd. Because you're gonna have to take out that crowd. Uh, I mean, from the jump. Because if you don't, and you let Auburn stay in the game, you're just you're fighting an uphill battle at that point. Yeah, and again, like like you said, this is the show me time, right? So we we talked about that before the South Carolina game. I want to see them come out and, and like you said, silence the crowd. Just just get out there early, you know, move the ball. But you, you don't – and that's the other thing, too, is you don't have to score 38 points in the first quarter, okay? You don't have to do that. But establish that they can't stop you. And, you know, and, and if you want to do it in 14 plays, do it in 14 plays. If you do it in two plays, do it in two plays. But you have to come out and establish yourself. And, and, and really, I just want to see them have a great first drive. I, I, you know, even if it ends in a field goal, that's fine. But I want to see him have a great first drive. I think it set the tone early. And then, you know, if you can get a turnover early in the football game, that's everything, Harrison. And you know that. And you've watched enough football where sometimes if you can get points and you follow that immediately up with causing the turnover of some kind or a quick three and out, and that, that, that momentum starts to build. And that Uncle Mo, when, once Uncle Mo is on your side, buddy, 
he's tough. He's tough to shake. So I, yeah. I, I don't have a whole lot to add because Auburn. Um, I'm sorry. All I could hear is that thing they play on Chuck and turn off for the Auburn sucks. <laughs> so, but I, I just, Auburn's a real team and just go take care of them. That's all. Just go take care of them. Just go do it. It's a business trip. Go down there. Don't let, don't let all the nonsense happen. Right. And I don't know what else, how to say it airs. Just don't, don't even give all that other crap an option or an opportunity to even evolve. Just, just go ahead and stuff it out in the first quarter. Cut their throat from the jump is what they're right. saying. Just cut the throat. Dan, I wanted to pull this up. This is the game log uh, or the play-by-play from last year's game against Auburn. Georgia didn't score in this game until basically the second quarter. It was 0-0 for the first ooh, four possessions on each side. I think each side, yeah, two. Yeah, four. Four possessions. We went four possessions each side without a score against Auburn at home. So if it's a 0-0 game going into the second quarter, let's not panic, guys. Let's not panic and let's not say, oh, you know, this Georgia team's not great. They're not as good as last year's because they didn't score in the first quarter. Well, they barely scored in the first quarter last year against Auburn. So, and that's at home. So let's let's go ahead and tone it down. Let's, let's not have recency bias. Let's not forget last year because Auburn – Auburn always has the opportunity to upset you. Heck, they did it back in 2017 in the same environment against a team. At, that Georgia team at the time was undefeated. Was undefeated, was on top of the world, it felt like. Walked into Jordan-Hare, walked out with the tail between their legs, and embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed by a team that probably shouldn't have beaten them that day. So but let, let's not do this again. Let's not come out of here. I don't want to turn on Twitter at halftime, Dan, and say, oh, my God, you know, this Georgia team's not great because they scored 14 points in the first half. Let the game play out before you tweet something angry, something that's just a horrible take. It's going to make you look stupid by the time the triple zeros hit the hit the scoreboard uh, over there. But let's not do that again, guys. Uh, we've seen it all too much recently. Uh, there was somebody that tweeted, it was a media member, I believe, tweeted that, Carson Beck was going to go into the same category as Joe Cox and a couple others. It was it was sometime in the first half. I don't know what immediate timestamp it was, but they they, they had that um, being in. He had they had him in the same breath as Joe Cox, basically saying he wasn't going to be a good quarterback at the University of Georgia. <laughs> took his standards. That tweet got deleted very quickly, very 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 quickly uh, by by the end of the game. So let's let's not tweet angry. Just just hold your tongue and let the game play out because like Dan said, the goal is to average a win every Saturday. You can do that. You're you're gonna be in the postseason, you're gonna be in the mix. Uh Dan, that's gonna wrap it up for episode one oh two of the Top Dog Talk podcast. Yep. Um I'm looking forward to this game. Auburn's always fun. It's the deep south's oldest rivalry. As Dan said, Auburn is Georgia's kissing cousin, whatever the Heck, that means in Alabama terms. Uh, we won't get into that, but going to be a good game. Should be a good weekend. Dan, I've done it the last few weeks, so I'm going to do it again. Uh, just off-the-cuff predictions. Utah, Oregon State, Friday night, 9 p.m. Who you got? You said Utah, Oregon State? I got Utah, Utah, Oregon State. I, I think Utah's a really, really good football team, if Cam, especially if Cam Rising plays. But they've played multiple games this year without Cam Rising, and they've won those two. So I got Utah. Uh, I L- don't know what the score would be. I just got Utah. LSU, Mississippi, Ole Miss. Sorry. LSU, Ole Miss. Ranked this matchup. is a game that Ole Miss has to win, but I think LSU wins. I think they're, they're starting to click. Last one, Notre Dame versus Duke. I think that's going to be one hell of a football game. Uh, Duke has really, really, really been impressive. And I'm interested to see if Notre Dame uh, allows Ohio State to beat them for a second straight week. If you don't understand that, then I I don't know what to tell you. Um, I think Duke is a hell of a football team, but I think Notre Dame wins this football game. Um, I I, I would say that game is probably going to be like 24-21. I don't see that being a high-scoring game. Hey, I, I got to go back and look at the rankings. I got to see how my man Dan's doing. I, I believe he picked Clemson last week, which may be his first L in these off-the-cuff predictions. 
Um, but if that's the case, that's pretty dang good uh, that he's only had one wrong. So we'll see. We'll come back. I'll get the uh, updated record on that, get a record going. We'll see what Dan's uh, picks are doing because I have a feeling that might be the only miss that he's had so far uh, in this season, which, hey, if you got one loss by this point, with some of the games we've had, some of the slates, um, that's, that's pretty damn good. Dan, I actually got another one for you. Last okay. one, Dan. I, I know who you're picking. Give me a score prediction for this one. Colorado USC. Uh, so I have USC winning that game 49 to 38. Whoo. I, I think, uh, I think it's going to be a back and forth. Now, I mean, listen, originally at the start this week, I really felt like USC might just absolutely put 60 something on them and just blow them out. But like, I started to think about it, USC's defense, uh, because the offense scores so fast and they will score fast against Colorado. Uh, I think that. Um, they're going to be tired. So I think it's going to be a shootout. I really do. I mean, like I said, 39 or 49, 38 is kind of like what I'm feeling. I'm we didn't gonna, give a Georgia score either. So we got to do that. I'll put my, yeah, let me do this USC one. Then we'll get to that one. Uh, for me, Dan, I'm going to go 56, 28. USC is averaging 55 points a game. So they're scoring 50 points a game at this rate, but they also haven't played not many people. Um, as crazy as it is to think, considering Georgia hasn't really played anybody other than South Carolina to this point. But, yeah, I, I'm going to go. I think Colorado puts up points. I think they look a little bit better than they did last week. Uh, but I'm going 56-28 USC. Dan, Georgia at Auburn, 330 on CBS. Going to be a good game. Last deep, last version of the Deep South Solar Rivalry on CBS for some time. Probably of all time. This is probably the last one that's going to get put on there. Um, say, Guys, Let's let's celebrate Jim Nance yeah. and Gary Danielson one last time. Give a salute to them and let them enjoy this game. Dan, what do you got? So I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, was 42 to 10. Is that I think that's what last year was. Um, this year, I'm I'm gonna say we score a little bit less and we go 38. And I think they're gonna score a little bit more and they're gonna go 13. So I think the scores will be 38, 13, 38 to 13. Georgia, of course. I can get on board with that. They cover. They they, they more than cover. Georgia NFL. hasn't covered. All year, so maybe I'm stupid. Maybe it's gonna be 17 13. Hell, I don't know because Georgia has not covered a single spread all year long. Man, if it's 17 13, by god, we better go on vacation. Um, we better go on vacation, Dan. We, we may not have a show next week if that's close because I don't want to see what social media is gonna be like. Um, <laughs> don't put that bad juju on us, Dan. Um, this one's tough, Dan. Part of me wants to go 24 to 7, like. Not many points being put up, if you feel me, but Georgia still somehow covers. Then the other part of me wants to go kind of along the same lines as you. Um, I'm going to say Georgia gets into the 30s. I'm saying 35-13. think we're going to be right along the same lines there. You have Auburn 13. I'm going to ride with you on that one. I think that's a pretty safe prediction right there. But something just tells me, Dan, that Hugh Freeze is the type of guy where if he has a chance to cover – at the end of the game, he's going to try. Like Mark Stoops the other year. Mark Stoops had that goal line stand. Was like, I, he, he had the over. He was like, I am going to cover. Like my life depends on it. I think Hugh Freeze is going to give it everything he got. And like I said, the two things that scare me most about this game is it's Georgia's first road game and Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze can pull the rabbit out of the hat. Would be a heck of a way to introduce himself to Auburn. But I'm taking Georgia 35-13. Dan has it 38-13. And one of the games of the weekend, There is a it is a hot slate. Texas plays Kansas. We got Utah, Oregon State starting us off on Friday. Florida, Kentucky, if you want to watch that. Nebraska versus Michigan in Nebraska. I'm going to watch the Cornhuskers. Oklahoma, Iowa State, Notre Dame, Duke, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Alabama, Mississippi State, LSU, Ole Miss. A lot of great games to watch this weekend, guys. Enjoy it while you can, because in a few short months, we'll be back here wishing it was the middle uh, or the end of September and talking about, you know, the next season. So with that being said, episode 102 of the Top Dog Talk podcast, I'm Harrison Reno. Alongside me, co-host Dan Kylie, we appreciate y'all for being here. Come back next week. Like, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get us. We'll see you next week. Go dogs.